All right. Hey, what's up, Code Keepers? We have something special for you today. So welcome to another great episode of Get On Code. All right. Welcome to Get On Code, the Fly Guy Show, which is a series of melanated conversations focused on empowerment, health, wealth, and knowledge of self. People think in binary choices because they are conditioned to. And on the wall was a picture of a wolf and a lion. I think the wolf was the Democratic Party, the lion was the Republicans. But the drug trade and all these illegal stuff that uh, people do, that's still economics. It's just that they couldn't do it in a traditional system. We're talking about melanated wealth. So we can build wealth, but we just, for some reason, don't seem to be able to transfer it. You had a great experience. Fine. That means nothing. What were you told as a child about education? You had to be how many times better? Every impression without an expression becomes depression. That's right, Code Keepers. It's time to get on code. And we're back today with a great book and the author of this great book. The book is Paper Doll Lena. And I tell you, so the book came in, the book came into... It happens. It happens. So the book came in the mail. Yeah. And as soon as I opened it, my wife said, Hey, what's that about? And so I told her a little bit of the synopsis and she took it from me. <laughs> <laughs> And she read it in about three days. Wow. And she wouldn't stop talking about it. Um, so, <laughs> a true a believers, this really is a great book. And the great thing is, um, if you're a fan, if you're a code keeper, you know that we focus on improving the experience that we have here in the world. And one of the areas that we're really focused on is improving the experience of women in particular, abuse upon women and women who are in abusive situations. So today, I'm, I implore you, hey, pick up the book, enjoy it, and share it with those people who can truly benefit from it. And speaking of the book, we have a beautiful author with us today. And it you know, kind of reminds me of a Prince song. In the, in the song, he says, I was dreaming when I wrote this, so sue me if, it's, if I go too fast, or something like that. Oh, come on, you got, so sue me if I go too fast. <laughs> you can't just say the word, you know, come okay. on. Okay, that part, that part, that part. So yeah. you had a dream the weekend of Charlottesville. So what was happening, and, and I just want to kind of lay a foundation, um, because, well, the foundation will be obvious. Why did Charlottesville bother you so much that you had to find a way to distract yourself? Wow. It was just one of those moments where you just look on TV and you see the world is not what you thought it was. I, I thought we were further along than having literal Nazis in the streets with tiki torches. Um, I just needed that moment to just sort of step away from the TV because I, I just, I couldn't take it. I couldn't understand how that was happening in 2017. You know, this is 2017, not like 19, 
59, you know, this, it was, we're, we weren't supposed to be facing something like that. You know, that's how I felt. Um, you know, my children weren't supposed to be experiencing something like that. And I just, I could not possibly understand it. I couldn't, I couldn't grasp it. And I need to kind of grasp my reality sometimes. Um, so yeah, I, I, I had to just unplug from the world. I ended up um, having a dream the night after and um, I was like, okay, cool. I'm just going to take the time to write what I need to write. And uh, I ended up banging out the book in about nine weeks. I, I just completely purged it from my system and uh, did not quite realize what it was going to be about afterwards. Intriguing, intriguing. So it's kind of interesting how a challenging, a difficult, uh, an abusive situation that was happening in front of our very eyes allowed you to address a similar situation through your book and yeah. also through your, your family as well. So yeah, yeah. So let's talk about that. Tell us about that. How did, how are you connected with this book? Oh boy. Well, like I said, I wrote Paper Dalina in about nine weeks um, for the first draft, which, you know, was a hot mess because first drafts are a hot mess. Um, I didn't quite realize the parallels to my own personal life as far as uh, abuse is concerned until I was in revisions. Um, and throughout the multiple rounds of revisions, I slowly began to see some serious parallels that that were concerning me. And, and it made me stop and realize that you know hey this is this is not a normal marriage this is this has never been a normal marriage um i never had the power to say no and i know that sounds really simplistic but at the end of the day that's what abuse is an abuser takes your power away and does not allow you to say no you have to go along and you have to conform you know which is why it's so important that people maintain their their self, you know, in a relationship as opposed to just conforming to what your your partner wants you to be. That's an interesting point. So how can somebody identify, you know, if they're in a bad, abusive, a toxic, you know, use a negative term yeah. relationship? How can somebody identify that? Oh, boy. The best thing that I can ever say is how does that person make you feel about yourself? Do you like yourself when you're around that person? Do you have to be someone completely different when you're around that person? Um, if you feel like you have to change yourself in order to please that person or in order to fit into their life, that is a red flag that you really need to analyze. You, you know, for some of us, what you just described we're looking at our employer and saying, I have to at work. <laughs> hey, there are toxic relationships at work. I mean, like seriously, and, and you can't cede your power. You know, you at the end of the day, you have to maintain your sense of self. And that goes beyond all kinds of relationships, you know, whether it's intimate partner relationships, whether it's work relationships, whether it's church relationships, you know, because there's some churches you go to and you can't tell them, no, you're not going to work on Sunday. You know what I'm saying? Like it's 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 something that you really have to focus on. And within any kind of relationship that you have, um, whether romantic or, you know, otherwise, um, 
there's an aspect of power and control that you have to maintain that balance of power and control between yourself and that person to where you're not giving them your power and control. They're not giving you their power and control. You know, it's a fine kind of balance. Well, what's really intriguing to me is that in the midst and in the process of being creative and having that creative outlet, you found your voice. You finally realized that your situation wasn't ideal. And I, I think it's intriguing because I'm, you know, I've often been told that your talents are given to you to help you improve your lot in life. And you took your talent and it helped you realize your situation was bad, but now you're improving the lot of other women, primarily. You know, I mean, we realize that, you know, all genders get abused, but, you know, yeah. primarily it's women. Um, it is. So, so what are some tips that a person who's in an abusive, toxic relationship can, what are some things they can start doing? What are some tips they can use almost immediately? Wow. The first thing I would say is um, isolation happens in abuse. Abuse is allowed to happen because of silence, right? Um, and all too often, the silence happens because you become isolated from your friends and family. You know, your 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 spouse wants to move to another state or your spouse doesn't quite like that friend for one reason or another. or They don't like that family member for one reason or another or they need more time with you and you spend too much time with these people, you know, when you volunteer, when you do X, Y, Z, or even, you know, I don't want you to go to work because I want you at home with the kids or whatever. Um, that's just a factor. I mean, we see that in the book, you know, Lena lives a very isolated, a very isolated life, um, unfortunately. And it isn't until she reconnects with a friend of hers um, after five years of, of not talking to her best friend, she by chance reconnects with her. And, you know, that just gives her so much more community that gives her so much more sense of support. And she's able to take some steps that she needs to take um, to consider leaving her abusive spouse. And I would definitely tell um, people who are in abusive situations I know you're isolated. I get it. Been there, done that. I have the shirt. Um, make the connections with your friends and family. Reconnect with them. They love you. You're never going to be a burden. Even if it's been 10 years, they're waiting for you to call them. Mm, you said they're waiting for you to call them. And yeah. I, in, in your book, Paper Doll Lena, it's obvious she gets a... Uh, a new relationship. She teams up with a best friend she hadn't seen in a while or really good friend she hasn't seen in a while. Were you able in your personal life to team up to, to find a support system that helped you to ultimately make a different experience? Yeah, I, I too was isolated. You know, we ended up moving from a city that we, I was really active in, you know, to a city that I knew nobody. Um, you know, little by little, my calls with my family got annoying. You know, the friends that I made were like one reason or another. Um, my husband did not like them, my husband at the time. Uh, but I will say this, abuse escalates. You know, what may start as manipulating and gaslighting will always, always escalate to physical violence. And that's what happened in my case, you know, after so many years. Um, 
it wasn't until I had to take out a protective order in 2018 that I was able to get out of my abusive marriage. And uh, fortunately, you know, I had a really great friend who would not take no for an answer when it came to isolating, you know, when it came to me not calling her back, when it came to me, you know, trying to sort of sever the relationship and sort of keep my husband happy at the same time. You know, she was just one of those friends who was like, look, um, no, no, we're friends. I'm, I'm going to be your sister, whether you want me to be your sister or not. We're, we're here. I am here for you. And, you know, when she heard what happened um, on that fateful day, she was like, let's go. You're taken out of protective order. Let's let's go. Enough is enough. And she held my hand through the whole thing. She watched my kids. You know, she helped me pick them up from school. She would come in my room when I was, you know, depressed afterwards and just kind of sit there with me and just, hey, it gets better. It, it'll get better, you know, and we need people in our lives like that. And Lena's so fortunate to have Nancy in her life like that. And um, I was fortunate personally to have someone like that in our lives, in my life. Beautiful. I'm so glad that they were there as well. That helped yeah. us get to this point where you're going to help many thousands, millions of women, you know, leave an abusive relationship, but hopefully into a more healthy, yes. non-toxic relationship, you know, as they read this great book, Paper, Paper Doll Lena. Um, what are some other things that the abused or the pre-abused can do if they're feeling isolated? Um, you said reaching out with family and, you know, other friends, but what are some other things they can do if they're starting to feel isolated in particular? Join a community group. I know there's COVID going on. I totally get it. I'm so over COVID just like everyone else. Um, but get vaccinated, you know, wear a mask and go out and see how you can participate um, within your community, whether that's volunteering, whether that's, you know, working at the the school, you know, if your kids are in school, you know, every single library needs more help. Um, it's getting out there and getting around people in any kind of way that you can in a safe sort of way because of COVID right now, or even reconnecting online, you know, we have the option of Zoom calls and we have the option of FaceTime and all this wonderful technology at our fingertips. So, I mean, even if you can text someone that you haven't texted in a while or go on Facebook and, and Facebook friend that person that 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 you had to cut off because of your spouse, you know, I mean, mm -hmm. there's there's ways that you can you can figure out how to um, make those connections that you will ultimately need. That's one thing I really liked about the book. You had some step strategies and get some conceptual things that a person who's being abused could really take and use to improve their life. Um, and also, anybody who's reading this might start identifying, hey, my cousin's going through this. My, my parent's going through this. My child yeah. is going through this. My friend's going through this. So what are some of the warning signs that says that a person is being forced into isolation because you stated that you know isolation is really like the starting point it was one of the starting points rather um so what are some of the signs that a person is being forced into isolation a sign of being forced into isolation let's see if your partner doesn't really care for you hanging out with certain people for no reason at all. You know, like if they're good people and they're not like being a hot mess or whatever, and, 
And he just doesn't like, or she doesn't like you hanging out with certain people or they don't want you to spend time away from them. Um, they don't care for you spending time with your family. They don't, you know, every time you're on the phone, there's the grunts and the silent treatment afterwards. And if, if you feel like you're being penalized at any moment um, before, after, or during spending time with people outside of the relationship, that's a red flag. You know, you need to address that and figure out what's going on. Great. Well, let's spend a little more time on your book. Sure. What was it like writing a book, rewriting the book? Uh, you know, I was told when I was in school that great works aren't written, they're rewritten. So I'm sure you had to do a couple of rewrites. Oh boy. <laughs> so many and then, times. And then what's it like publishing? So let's start with the writing, then let's talk about the the publishing part. You know, how were you able okay. to continue pushing yourself through the writing? Oh boy. How? <laughs> oh boy. Um, let's see. You just have to keep it up. I mean, you just have to have faith that um, that what you're doing is what you're supposed to be doing. I mean, writing is isolating in itself. You know, it's it's a mind game. You know, at school, we're taught that you have to have these prolific sentences and be this wonderful literary god, you know, or you have to be like Chaucer or Shakespeare or like these people who are supposed to be smart. Um, or the canon, but yet we don't ever want to talk about Octavia Butler and her amazing catalog of books, or Tony McMillan, or Angie Thomas, who's just come and, and just, you know, she's a force to be reckoned with, you know, with her writing. Writing should be accessible. Books should be accessible. You know, if you have 100,000 words, and you're not making a story, and you're not making any sense, you got to rethink that. Because at the end of the day, you have to be accessible to people and and the way that we are taught literature it makes english and, and it makes writing inaccessible because because you think that you have to write a certain way instead of just telling a story you know and i tell my kids all the time when they're like mom i don't know what i'm gonna do i can't write and i'm like just tell a story just tell a story you know tell your story the best way that you know how and everything else will work out all right, well, let's move to the publishing. Yeah. What was that process like? Oh, boy. Publishing was fun. Um, after my... After that I sounds loaded. PTO, <laughs> that sounds loaded. Yeah, okay. it sounds a little loaded. Um, after I took out my the, the PTO, um, I, I kind of spiraled into depression because, you know, you have the whole thing. What if I'm not doing it right? What if I did the wrong thing? What if I made the wrong decision? You know, well, my kids hate me, you know, you know how your mind kind of spirals. Um, and you know, my daughter, she brought me my laptop one day and she was like, mom, she's a teenager. She said, mom, I, I need you to do something else. Go start writing or work in that book that you were working on. And I was like, okay, I'll just do it. Whatever. And then I started pulling it out little by little and revising it and revising it some more. And um, in November of 2019, I ended up, or October 2019, um, before my divorce was finalized, I ended up sending it out to a literary agent. And uh, November 2019, right after my divorce, which is kind of ironic, um, she reached out to me and she wanted to sign me. And it was really cool. 
Um, and I heard from a few other agents, but I ultimately picked my agent right now that I have because she's like amazing. Um, and we did a few more rounds of revisions, a few more rounds of edits. And um, we went out in, uh, I think it was June or July. And within a week, we had a, a publisher. Actually, she sent my novel to, to my current publisher right now. And um, they read it over the weekend. <laughs> And by Monday, they wanted to meet with me um, because they were so enamored with the book and they had to have the book. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we ended up going to auction with a few houses and uh, ultimately like Union One. And and it was amazing. I mean, it was amazing because what people don't know is I actually lost my job in May <laughs> due to COVID. So wow. in July, when I sold my book, I was like, oh, OK, single mom. OK, we could eat. We're good. <laughs> It was something wow. I was worried about. I'm not going to lie. Cause you know, you lose your job in May because of COVID and it's like, oh, okay, what are we going to do now? <laughs> yeah. Well, so what are you going to do now? You know, you, you have a, uh, a book that is, is it a bestseller yet. It's on its way. Uh, it is an Amazon bestseller. So fingers crossed that wall street <laughs> and, and, and everyone else picks it up, you know? Um, but right now it is a, it is an Amazon bestseller, which is wonderful. And I'm so thrilled. Um, and I'm so humbled and just grateful that, that people have picked up my words and, and they're reading it and, and it's resonating with readers. I think more importantly, um, that just, I, I, I can't even begin to describe how that feels. You know, when I get a review or I get an email or I get a DM, this one lady was like DMing me throughout the day when she was reading it. And she's like, I can't believe this happened. I can't believe it. I'm just reading like her play by play. Like, okay, this is kind of cool. <laughs> but ultimately she, um, she, she messaged me and she was like, this was my life, you know, and to see it in words, you know, made her cry. And, and it just, it made me cry. I was like bawling from my laptop. My kids were like, mom, you okay? I'm, I'm fine. <laughs> yeah. It was one of those things. Well, you know, that's that's interesting. That's similar to my wife's experience. So, you know, we're sitting at home reading, you know, both of our kids are in school right now. So, you know, had house to ourselves and she's sitting there reading and I'm reading my book and she's like, how can you be so stupid? <laughs> what did I do now? <laughs> you know, she's like, no, she keeps keeps allowing this to happen. She keeps getting caught and she keeps this. And I was like, oh, Lena in the book. Yeah. Okay. I haven't done anything wrong this time. <laughs> <You're> like, <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> yeah. Um, But in the book, this main character doesn't seem to get it the first time. Doesn't seem to get it the second or third time. Is that normal? If somebody's in an abusive relationship, is it normal for them to take a while to remove themselves from it? Seven. Seven is the lucky number. Um, a victim attempts to leave their abuser at least seven times unsuccessfully. I mean, that's just a fact. I had to let that marinate for a moment, yeah. seven times. Seven times. Yeah, so I mean, if you're trying to leave your, your spouse or your your partner because of abuse, it's normal, 
to try and fail and try and fail and try and fail. And it's not failing. It's just building up the courage. So you're taking one more rung on that ladder, one more rung on the ladder, one more rung on the ladder until you're at the top. And then when you get to the top, that's freedom right there, you know, but you have to take the steps and you may not completely be successful at first, but you will be. Well, the Get On Code Show is all about empowerment. Our code yes. is empowerment. And it looks to me like the writing of this book empowered you in a way like nothing else had before. Uh, of course, I don't know your whole life, you know, but. We don't have enough time for that. <laughs> <laughs> to be able to leave a, uh, a toxic relationship takes a lot of gumption, takes a lot of strength, takes a lot of faith. I guess it takes seven um, tries in, in most cases. But the process of writing this book empowered you so much. The, the process of putting your thoughts to paper empowered you so much that you were able to change your situation. How important is the concept of empowerment um, to you now? You know, now that you've put yourself in a better situation, now that you have a uh, Amazon best-selling book, you know, now that you realize you didn't need that job, you know, <laughs> you know, how important is empowerment to you and to people who are trying to leave abusive situations? At the end of the day, I think empowerment is using your voice and first discovering your voice, then using your voice. So I was able to discover my voice through my writing, through creating a world and creating characters that eventually paralleled my own life. Um, I use my voice now as an advocate because I think that it's important that I not only pull myself out of a situation, but I'm able to pull other people out of situations and give them hope and shine light on a situation that, or shine light on a topic that all too often, um, doesn't get talked about as much as it should be. Um, but I think empowering yourself is finding that voice. And I think that it's important that domestic violence victims find their voice. Your voice has been taken away from you for so long and through experiences that you cannot control. And little by little, you need to find your voice. You need to find that little piece of you that's still inside, that's screaming to be let out and and just allow that person to grow and allow that person to just be in the light, you know, like, like you have to allow yourself to find your voice. As you wrote this book and as you, you know, going through this process of publishing it and having this great level of success, mm -hmm. have you looked back on maybe uh, some of the generations and the people who raised you and found that they were in a similar situation as well? Yeah. Yeah. I found out that my grandmother, um, she was abused by my grandfather. I found out that my mother uh, claims, you know, my dad says a whole different thing, but um, my mother said that she was abused by my father. Um, I have aunts who have experienced abuse. Um, I have a sister who experienced horrible abuse. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I, unfortunately, I think it's a generational thing. Um, 
and I hope to be part of, you know, this generation who's completely going to break the other generations, you know, like my daughter, she knows what a healthy relationship is. She will not accept anything less than that. And I'm so proud of her for that. My son, likewise, he knows what a healthy relationship looks like and he refuses. I mean, he's put his foot down. He refuses to allow anything less and he, he will not treat, you know, his partners the way that he grew up, you know, it just because he went to therapy, you know, we did the whole, we did the process, you know what I'm saying? Um, but I think it's important that we break the cycle. Wow. I, well, then let's leave our our viewers, our code keepers with something that's going to be positive. What are some yeah. idea markers of a healthy relationship and a healthy partner to have a relationship with? Well, a healthy partner is someone who allows you to be you. You know, a healthy relationship is a relationship that you can thrive and just be yourself and you don't have to fit into anyone's box. You don't have to create yourself to be someone different. Um, you can be you. You can be your beautiful, flawed, you know, stink breath in the morning self and you can love on yourself, you know, and that person loves you because of that. You know, I think that that is just such a, a factor and such a good key that you really need to realize, like, if you find yourself trying to dumb yourself down or pretend like you're something that you're not or having to go into debt to impress somebody um, or even lowering yourself to fit into their box. I'll, I'll actually read something if you don't mind. This is my epigraph and I got it from a really great friend and it says this, don't make yourself smaller and apologize for existing by saying, I don't know, and I'm sorry. When you didn't do anything wrong, trust what you know, take up space, be yourself, step into your power and live your life. And that's by Dr. Yana Jameson. And, um, and I think that that is probably the best definition I can say about what a healthy relationship is with yourself, what a healthy relationship is, you know, take up the space, allow yourself to take up space. Don't ever apologize. Um, if you're not wrong, you know, like if you're wrong, you better apologize. But if you're not wrong, don't, don't just walk into a room and say, I'm sorry. There's no reason for you to do that. Um, and Shonda Rhimes, I will add, she's been posting a lot recently about how, if you find yourself in a room, you're supposed to be there, you know, act like you're supposed to be there. <laughs> Enjoy being there because, that's who you are. You are beautiful and wonderful and who you are. And, and I think that we need to understand that. And if you're in a healthy relationship, then, the, then your partner will definitely understand and appreciate you for who you are. Great words, great words. And that's a great way to end this great episode of Get On Code, where we focus on empowerment today. We had the great honor of hanging out with Robin Lucas, the author of Paper, Dalena. I have my copy. Follow my lead. Follow her lead. Uh, and her lead was there was something that was challenging her, bothering her, disturbing her, Charlottesville. And she used that moment of challenge, difficulty to reach into her talents. And her talents allowed her to see that there was some other things she needed to change. So 
hey, code keepers, there's some things you need to change. Allow your talents to reveal them more fully and allow your talents to help you execute a plan that will allow you to go to a better experience. You've been watching Get On Code with Robin Lucas. Any uh, last words, Robin? Any last thoughts? Um, don't let anyone turn you into a paper doll. And if you are a paper doll, um, get some help. Open your mouth, find your voice, and talk to somebody. Beautiful. As you can see, you can go Thank to robinlucas.com. That's robinlucas.com. You've yes. been watching and sharing with Get On Code. Hey, Get on code, teach the code, be a code keeper. This show was brought to you by Positive Vibes Incorporated, our consulting services. We do credit fixes. We do tax resolution. We lend private money and debt consolidation. So if you need some of these services, we're waiting here for you. Credit fixes, tax resolutions, private money, and debt consolidation. Make sure you call Positive Vibes Incorporated.